Hello. It's us. It's me, your host, Tara Mahoney, and I'm here with my co-host, Kate Reeve. Hi, Kate. Hey. We're also here with Kiki Sakota, our special guest to help us read the news this week. Hi, Kiki. Pleased to be here. Um, <laughs> and welcome to episode 10 of Undecided Podcast. Um, stay tuned for the champagne cork. This week we are talking about poverty in Ontario. Uh, we have a great interview coming up with Jocelyn Helland of Eva's Homeless Sh- or Shelter for Homeless Youth. Yep. And um, we're really excited to share that with you. But before we get to that, we're going to get to the news from this week. So mm-hmm. without further ado, it's the news. It's happening right now. Let's go. I give zero. What's the first news item, Kate? Okay, well, my personal favorite news item this week um, is... Oh, yeah, let's start Let's start light let's start, and funny. Yeah. Let's start light and funny. All right, so uh, former PC leader, Ontario PC leader Patrick Brown, who, as we discussed, and who, as we know... R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah. <laughs> Basically, he was kicked out because he was accused of sexual misconduct, mm-hmm. and he tried to come back, and then he resigned again. Yeah. So he is a funny little guy. Um, and he's yeah, a bit of an ass, and he's writing a book about his political assassination. Yeah, this quote. is quote unquote oh, assassination. Yeah, yeah. and Brown, fucking her- amazing. Yeah, CBC News reports that Brown promises a story of betrayal, blackmail, and backroom politicking. Oh, if that sexy. isn't sexy, I don't know what. Uh, it is. Oh my god. Yeah, hilarious. So he Look says, out for that one. Yeah, yeah. coming up. <laughs> Listen to this though. He pew, says, pew, 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 pew. He says that he sees himself as the victim of a plot oh, yeah. to oh. kill his career. Classic. Yeah, Patrick Brown is definitely the victim. Yeah, yeah. Doug Ford, the me- like the mega mind behind the PC party, obviously orchestrated this whole thing. Oh, Kick him obviously. out, move right in. You think so? Oh yeah, that I big like, that big forehead has yeah, a lot of brain power. I, I feel like it's, it gives Doug Ford too much credit to like. T- oh my god! Oh, oh, fucking, oh my god! We just saw the fucking uh, screen cap of what the like cover is, and it's big breakdown. It's, it's a black and white photo, and over the black and white photo, there's big block red letters that says "take down," and the O of the down is a fucking. T- Target sign. You know, I think this is oh in a way God. an ode to the power of women. They take it back. Yeah, that's why I choose to see this. Hell yeah, dude. Who did the graphic design for that? I don't know. I gotta know. I I need their number. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Call me, be me if you want to reach me. The fucking political assassination of Patrick Brown is the uh, subtitle of this book. So, or what's the... The title's takedown. The subtitle is The Political Assassination of Patrick Brown. Coming soon to a bookstore near you. Yo, it's lit. Go buy it and set it on fire. It's lit. It's lit. Um, all right. All right. Uh, next next uh, item of news, Kate, what do we got? We got, uh, oh, yeah, this is a weird story. Uh, unclear about what r- really this is. Um, so Classic. there was a, whoops, <laughs> got an email, folks. Um, there is a uh, conservative candidate in uh, Brampton uh, who is it being accused of stealing 407 uh, toll highway data. Um, the 407 is like a toll is a toll highway in the GTA that you can if you if you have money you can get on and like skip the traffic, <laughs> um, and um, yeah this one uh, co- like conservative candidate is being accused of uh, 
purchasing or stealing the data and then selling it to mm-hmm. other cons- like 20 other conservative candidates um, I don't really understand for what it. purpose um, I assume it's for um, oh yeah and then there's another element of the story where he like gives the data to international students and they imp- they basically do um, identity theft of mm-hmm. these people uh, and then voted for him in the PC oh, uh, leadership yeah, race. So um, definitely read this article. Uh, we'll post it on our um, on our description mm-hmm. on the uh, on the uh, you know on the iTunes and uh, all the other podcast apps. Uh, it's very weird, but it, it huge if true. Mm-hmm. Huge if true. Yeah, I mean it's not Doug Ford himself, but it's this candidate that he put mm-hmm. his name behind, mm-hmm. and he has he has quit his post. Mm-hmm. He stepped down as a candidate. Um, he's okay. saying that he's innocent, um, and I know we'll follow the story and see what happens. Doug Ford said he has no idea. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. So he has no idea. So so, uh, idea. so that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what's next, Kate? Next is something less fun and less cool. It's auto insurance discrimination. Mm. So basically, in a particular area of Toronto, also Brampton, weirdly enough, um, drivers are facing... Brampton, the center of political controversy. Yeah, but it, it actually is in a way because it's a really hotly contested area for votes in Toronto mm. because it's really dense mm. and it's really populated. So... The Ontario Liberals have come, the, oh my god talking really fast. The Ontario Liberals have come out saying that they're promising to end this discrimination in auto insurance rates, which basically means that if you live in an area that has a higher crime rate or has um, anything that an auto insurance company thinks might be negative or increase your rate of accident, even if you yourself have never had an accident, mm-hmm. you will face a higher insurance rate. This is pretty typical like among auto insurance companies. Yes. Like If you're under the age of 25, but this is, your insurance is higher already. Yeah, but this is based on postal code, yeah. not on age, not on any personal Which factor. Which is highly problematic. Yes, because that further stigmatizes people who live in a low-income neighborhood. And we'll actually we'll hear a little bit more about that um, on our episode today about exactly. intergenerational poverty mm-hmm. And the like. Um, so, uh, the, uh, what have the liberals promised to do, Kate? Well, they're saying that they're going to end this entirely um, by regulating insurance companies more. The NDP are saying, well, we've been trying to do this forever. And mm-hmm. actually, in 2012, then MP Jagmeet Singh, who's now the leader of the NDP party, federally, a, federally, yeah, tabled a bill that would end this mm-hmm. in 2012. And the liberals and the PCs voted against it. Whoa. So. Not great. Yeah, that doesn't ring very nicely. Twenty. Kathleen Wynne was not premier in 2012. Dalton McGuinty was. Um, it was still the Liberal Party who voted it down. Mm-hmm. So, but let's just get the, that clear on the record. Yeah. Um, Listen to this crazy stat. So, for example, <laughs> this one man, a 35-year-old driver of a 2014 Honda Civic, would get charged. $1,399 if he was living in Toronto. Oh because God. he lives in Brampton, he's paying $2,270. Wow. That's you terrible. That that's, not, you? that's not good. And Brampton good. is like the like the home of like a, a very, very large uh, South Asian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really uh, mm-hmm. not great. The PC Sounds like some racism. Said, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to our public transit episode last week, too. Mm-hmm. TBT. Yeah. So, anyway, the PCs have also said that they would try and reduce, quote-unquote, insurance fraudsters. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but in uninsured drivers, to reduce the cost overall of insuring drivers, but they haven't really addressed this hmm. post-code, post-code. Oh my God. Postal code. Postal code discrimination. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
I gave Kate yeah. two vermouth and sodas, and now she can't talk. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, Kiki, I want to ask you before you have to go, do you have any thoughts about the news this week, about poverty in Ontario, about the Ontario election? God. Hot take in, like, 25 seconds. Honestly, no <laughs> it's so hard for me with, like, um, provincial politics because I'm a transplant to Ontario from BC. So shout I was, out to BC. Mm-hmm. Shout out to BC, Victoria. Um, and I was like all for the Green Party out mm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like environmental stuff is very dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of liking NDP at this point. Oh, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, hard to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone but Ford. Mm-hmm. Generally, well, big picture, big yeah, picture. I guess you but, could say we're all just, we're all just undecided. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna get to hear more hot takes from Kiki on our final episode, Tune where in. we'd like to announce uh, our final episode will be another millennial roundtable where we all talk about what our decision finally is uh, for this Ontario election. So thank you, Kiki. Oh, love you guys. XOXO. <laughs> all right, and we're back. Coming to you live from my bathroom. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kate just said toilet seat down. Uh, <laughs> Political uh, engagement. Uh, yeah. Which yeah, is dude. the vibe right now. We're yeah. sitting on some towels. Um, yeah. It's probably really echoey, uh, but, you know, this is the best we could do for you. Yeah. Uh, Sponsors. Yes. <laughs> hello. Hello. Um, hello. 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 All right. So we're going to talk about poverty for a second. Uh, we're going to talk about... So in the interview that is uh, coming up right now... You're going to hear Jocelyn, Jocelyn talk about how solving poverty in Ontario and elsewhere is like requires a very holistic approach. Mm-hmm. So we don't need more shelters. No. Well, we do. But we do. But we need more. We need a, a child care education and housing strategy and mental, and mental health, health strategy yeah. that will support people mm-hmm. that are um, maybe more vulnerable to uh, being homeless. Mm-hmm. For example, people who um, are living in poverty already, um, who have parents that are like living under the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Um, Children who grew up in the foster care system are yeah. much more likely to become homeless as they go grow into teenagehood. People with untreated mental health problems, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, people uh, uh, untreated mental health problems, and or learning issues that didn't have like support that they needed mm-hmm. throughout high school or elementary school. Yeah, so there's this myth that maybe just my grandparents share. Mm. Hopefully they don't know what a podcast is. Yeah. Um, but Fingers that, crossed. Yeah. But that if you're homeless or if you're poor, it's your own fault. Mm-hmm. And we know that this just isn't the truth. Interge- intergenerational poverty has an incredible insidious impact on individuals. Even if they they get to go to private school or, sorry, not, par- not private school, public school, <laughs> and they're supposed to be getting a good education and stuff like this. The government needs to be there for these people, mm-hmm. and that's what we need to look for in the upcoming election. Yeah. And uh, with that in mind, I think we, we're, we're going to go through the um, three party, the three main party platforms. The Green Party released its platform this week, and I realized that maybe we should have been, I'm just now thinking about this <laughs> right now, uh, that we maybe should be including it. But um, that will be something I will think about this week and yeah. not right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the Green Party doesn't have a uh, any seats in the uh, legislature right now. So no. maybe if they get a seat, mm-hmm. maybe I'll consider them. 
I don't know. Anyway, I have to think about that more. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us about the NDP uh, platform and what they're going to do to combat poverty? Yes, I would love to. So the main things that Jocelyn talked about in our interview is that poverty isn't just like a one-stop problem. Mm-hmm. You can't create a, like you can't build a shelter and fix homelessness. Mm-hmm. So she talked about some of the more institutional things that need to change in order to support people to end these cycles of poverty. Right. So one of the main ones is housing. Mm-hmm. This means creating affordable housing within urban centers and not economically segregating people in community housing. Right. Basically, the government needs to hold developers, especially in major cities like Toronto and Ottawa, to hire account and mm-hmm. make them, through uh, legislative Regular. action, yep. make them include mixed-priced um, units in their new developments. Yeah, so that yeah. means that instead of having a condo building, and each condo is $300,000, yeah, you, you have, have a rental building, and yeah. maybe the penthouse and the upper floors are... More expensive. More expensive, but yeah. then you also have units that are economically available right. to people who might not have the same resources as the people who can afford to live on the 18th story. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Um, and for the NDP, they are talking about investing to build new supportive housing units. We don't know exactly what that means, but they're saying they're going to build 30,000 new supportive housing units in the next 10 years, building at least 3,000 every year. Um, they're also going to invest $228 million per year in capital funding and new housing and operational funding that increases by $50 million every year. So it sounds pretty good. Yeah, from it's the got a growth. It's got a growth plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't seen any direct mention of this development issue for and for youth and for youth specifically, which Jocelyn will talk about in the interview. Yeah. But so far, NDP housing they have a pretty secure plan. Mm-hmm. In terms of mental health, which is the other one, we've also seen a lot of great stuff from the NDP. Yeah, they're looking to bring in new mental health care workers, including counselors, social workers, case managers, system navigators and assertive community treatment staff, which would supposedly allow 28,000 more people in Ontario to access mental health care. Damn. Which is That's huge. pretty significant. Yeah. This is not necessarily youth-specific, but what is youth-specific youth is they're going to bring in 400 new mental health workers into high schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is across the whole province, so it's not necessarily a huge amount yeah. um, per school, but it's, it's not bad. Um, and then the last one is childcare, and this is important because if you are able to raise a healthy and stable child, it sets them up better for adulthood, and it sets them up better for um, a life that isn't um, lived on the streets. Mm-hmm. So offer. the NDP are going to offer um, free childcare for households who make under forty thousand dollars a year. These are our most vulnerable uh, uh, households in yeah. the province. And then they're going to have a sliding scale. For other for households that make more money annually, so it starts at twelve dollars, and then again we don't know, but after yeah. a certain threshold, it starts to get mm-hmm. more twelve dollars a day. It yeah. starts to get more than twelve dollars a day, which makes sense. Um, oh, and one thing I wanted to add was education, mm. um, w- because um, uh, one thing that was like really significant in the last couple of years is that the liberals put forward and implemented a sex ed curriculum mm-hmm. that was more inclusive to people um, who identify as non gender binary or um, in the LGBTQ community? Yes. Uh, so the NDP are supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very significant because what you'll find, this kind of curriculum allows uh, kids who or identify with these, um, I guess, like categories. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps them like f- uh, find acceptance earlier. If you mm-hmm. educate people about this kind of stuff, then it's more normal to like have, you know, your like second grade um 
uh, companion be mm-hmm. homosexual. That's not that was not but that was not okay. Mm-hmm. Like when we you and I were mm-hmm. in uh, in in elementary school. Yeah, for sure. No one in my second grade class. Everyone was like heterosexual. Yeah, and so I think this opens up. I think this 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 opens up space for stuff, and it's significant that the NDP support that because mm-hmm. the conservatives do not. And yeah. I think this is a good segue actually into the conservative platform. So Doug Ford um, surprisingly has a. Uh, uh, <laughs> pledged uh, quite a bit of money to mental health uh, funding in this province. So um, the PC go- a PC government would spend $1.9 billion over the next decade on mental health and addiction supports and housing. Um, that's a, it's a very broad um, area. Um, I still think the NDP have like a more holistic approach with mm-hmm. the uh, creation of the mental health ministry, mm-hmm. the Ministry for Mental Health. Um, but I'm surprised to even see the conservatives spending even that much. 1.9 billion over 10 years is we had an, a math expert do this for us. It's 109 <laughs> million every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so not that much, but uh, like more like if he's planning to increase spending, that's still something. Mm-hmm. Um, housing uh, for Doug Ford is uh, he's going to uh, 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 nix the foreign home buyer tax of 15% uh, that the liberals have put forth. So that will make your house when you buy it 15% more than the market price mm-hmm. to de-incentivize people that are uh, these like uh, we're, we're going to call them foreign investors uh, or foreign home buyers to uh, like to buy homes in uh, in the GTA um, but that's all he's really come out with on housing yeah on education um uh, Doug Ford would cut funding to post-secondary institutions that don't allow controversial speakers to <laughs> speak question mark uh, um so that's kind of Weird. He would cut the discovery math system, which is something that's implemented in um, elementary schools. It's basically like making a math plan that's like geared to each student, but sounds like something that might have worked for me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he would consult parents about a more age-appropriate sex ed curriculum, which is uh, highly problematic because, uh, well, especially because he said he would nix the entire uh uh, the entire sex ed curriculum that Kathleen Wynne put forward, all the LGBTQ uh, two stuff mm-hmm. in there. Um, he has like uh, repeatedly said like we can't teach kids about anal sex in classrooms. Um, it's just like it's just cr- like crazy, crazy rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that very uh, concerning. Uh, and he'd also reform the tests conducted by the EQAO. Um, he says he would introduce improved standardized testing, which we have um, like identified as like a big problem mm-hmm. in this province. But he just says he'll introduce improved testing. So I have no idea. Like it's not very substantial as to how he'd improve it. Yeah. Um, on childcare, last little tidbit here, um, that we found this very difficult to, to <laughs> uncover. So um, Doug Ford said he would cover seventy five percent of of um, childcare costs um, for children under the age of fifteen, um, and that will cover up to six thousand seven hundred fifty dollars per child. Now I don't know if that's per child per year. We have, like, we literally scoured the PC website. We scoured all the news sources. This one source, Global mm-hmm. News, was the only one that could even give us this little tidbit of information, mm-hmm. and no no one else has broken it down. So I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have no idea what Doug Ford's child care plan is. Yeah. Um, so, and it, but the thing is, is if he wanted us to know, then he would have it on his website, and mm-hmm. he doesn't. Um, so, again, I think this is, like, evident of, like, his... 
the the Ford campaign's repeated uh, tactics of like trying to basically dumb people into voting for him. Yeah, like, and let me just say too that the same Global TV news article or whatever reported that in Toronto the basic cost for um, childcare per household when you have more than one kid is about three thousand dollars. Yeah, a so month. A month. So even if this is annually, yeah, that's two months of childcare, and that's not seventy five percent, and that's not even seventy five percent. So all right, thanks. I I'm bad at math and I even know that. Yeah. So boom. <laughs> okay, Kate, uh, let's go through the liberal what the liberals are going to offer in terms of poverty. Right, okay. So um, the liberals are also going to introduce more community-based housing and community-based housing services such as counseling, therapy, and walking clinics. Um, they also mention directly young people. They say they're going to provide this specifically to more than 12,000 young people, and they would grow this number to over 46,000. 46, Hundred no, oh my God, forty six, forty six thousand. Oh my God, over four years. Um, so they would also implement a needs based funding allocation. Don't really know exactly what that would be for community based child and youth mental health services, which will recognize each community's child and youth population and relative need. Um, and they're also going to provide specific funding for First Nation, Inuit, and Métis children and youth. Um, with a range of quote-unquote culturally appropriate uh, mental health services. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So they're also going to provide 525 more supportive housing units for people with complex mental health and addiction needs. They're going to give every Ontario high school access. That's a really good thing, actually, because mm-hmm. uh, um, that could that could uh, that's that could include people that are homeless. Yeah, for sure. Which is basically like giving homeless people a home to live in, which is a really great way to solve homelessness, it turns out. Yeah, surprisingly. (laughs) Um, So they're also going to reach to um, increase mental health support in Ontario high schools, as the NDP are also doing. And they're going to pledge $17 billion in mental health and addiction services over the next four years. That's seventeen billion over four years. Doug Ford was offering one point nine over ten years. So yeah, mm-hmm. and they're also going to de- dedicate one hundred and seventy-five million of that directly over four years to expand school-based supports to mental health and addiction services, which is pretty good if you're looking. It's at pretty youth. robust. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about childcare? Childcare is going to be free for preschool age kids. So that means ages two and up, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Um, if you have a two-year-old kid. Not so yeah. great if you have a one-year-old and you need to go back to work. Yeah, I'm still looking for the liberal uh, promises that are going to help young uh, parents, uh, mm-hmm. parents with very young children. Yeah. Um, low-income parents with very young children. All right, so that's uh, that's what we got for our uh, our, our platforms uh, from the various parties that are going to uh, help alleviate poverty. Uh, now, without further ado, let's listen to our interview with... Jocelyn Helland. Yes. <laughs> My name is Jocelyn Helland, and I am the executive director at Eva's Initiatives for Homeless Youth. Okay. So and what's that? Okay. So we uh, so we are Toronto-based shelter and housing provider. So we work with young people who are between the ages of 16 and 24, who are homeless or who have been homeless and are looking to be housed and receive all the supports that go with. Um, 
uh, getting kind of back on your feet and being independent in the community. So we run education and employment programs. Uh, We have counseling programs that connect young people back with their families and natural supports. Uh, So if they can go home or have um, somebody they define as family that they want to build a relationship with in order to get out of a shelter and go home, we uh, we work with them on that. Um, And sort of all of the kind of other supports that humans need to be able to sort of thrive uh, when they are between those age ranges. Okay, wow. Um, So uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you would say um, these kids or these young people are facing? Yeah, um, the the stats are pretty uh, telling in terms of what feeds the... uh, essentially what what makes people become homeless. So um, we we talk about how between 40 and 50% of young people are experiencing homelessness have had some sort of involvement with the child welfare system. So really the children's aid sort of system creates a super highway to youth homelessness. Did you um, say 40 to 50% mm-hmm. of all young people? Of young people who are experiencing homelessness have oh, been... Have, have, have had yeah. experience with the welfare... Or the, or the ch- Children's Aid. Yeah, Children's Aid. Um, Similarly, the stats, again, depending on what community you're talking about, um, the number of young people who are experiencing um, uh, discrimination as a result of coming out to their families and their parents uh, can be very, very high. Mm -hmm. Um, Discrimination um, in terms of the racism that families face uh, are clearly a feeder to youth homelessness. Um, Poverty is obviously a huge underlying factor. Um, And finally, I'd say, um, uh, young people struggling with mental health issues. Uh, we, have, we see a very large percentage of the young people we work with are struggling with mental health issues, and there's a little bit of a chicken and an egg effect, right? So um, it's not a terribly healthy situation to be homeless, mm-hmm. and it's traumatizing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So then you add on top of that, if you're already uh, coming with some basic mental health challenges, mm-hmm. those are exacerbated by mm-hmm. your street experiences. Right. Yeah. And um, do you know, uh, in terms of the larger youth population, mm-hmm. like what um, what percentage of young people are facing uh, homelessness issues? That's a really good question. I'd have to I'd have to look that up. No so problem. But, um, but that. on that note, what like um, how many um, how many kids do you serve? So we, on any given night, 123 young people stay with us wow. in our shelters and in our housing, oh my God. and we um, barely scrape the surface. We estimate that about 2,000 young people are probably experiencing homelessness in Toronto on any given night. Oh. The challenge is we don't really see it <clears throat> on, the st- on the streets in the exact same way as we do adult homelessness. So young people uh, do a lot of what we call couch surfing. Mm-hmm. So they stay with friends, uh, friends of friends, um, they get into relationships relationships in order to not be homeless. There's lots of different ways that Mm -hmm. uh, homelessness shows up Mm -hmm. differently in the youth population. So it's hard to come up with a perfect number, um, but we know that if we serve 123 and we know that there are about 500 shelter beds in Toronto for youth and there's young people that we're turning away, Mm -hmm. um, and then there's ones that don't even really knock on the shelter door because they're too terrified because shelters can can be really scary places even when we're trying to make them as warm and welcoming as possible. Right. Well, it, it's a bunch of people that you don't know who are experiencing yeah. like varying degrees of different things. So totally. Um, yeah. t- 
talk about a little bit uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys as a shelter face um, on a day-to-day basis? Um, so uh, lots, of, lots of different things. <laughs> sure. Where do you even begin? Um, so first off, um, facing, looking a young person in the eyes and telling them that, like, you know, I'm really sorry that you're here. Uh, come on in. You maybe have the clothes on your back or a small bag that you brought with you. Um, let's get you settled. Um, young people are terrified when they walk in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is not something that somebody is choosing. And if they're choosing, it's because it's a better option than what was existing maybe at home mm-hmm. or whatever else was going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we struggle to keep up with the volume of young people that need our help. Um, the mental health challenges. So we, we have a full range of young people staying with us, including mm-hmm. young people who are um, in psychosis. They're hearing voices. Like, there are things that are going on for them mm-hmm. that um, it's really hard to keep them kind of stable and in one place and get them help because mm-hmm. they're moving around a lot. So the high, high population of young people experiencing mental health Uh, struggles is a huge issue we're facing. Um, I think uh, trying to get young people out of the shelters is really hard. Housing prices, Mm -hmm. shocker that it's really hard to to do that. And when you've got no safety net, no parents or family that can bail you out when or give you first and last or uh, help you when you're doing a really... um, crappy job of, of managing your money, um, the amount of times that we rely on our families to help us out in those situations, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Both of us, yeah. Um, it's, uh, if young people don't, if a young person doesn't have that, they're more likely to come right back to the shelter right. um, and we see them all over again. Um, discrimination when they're trying to get an apartment. So even if they can afford a crappy uh, basement suite or moving in with like 20 other roommates, um, the landlords are really like, you know, the number of black youth that we su- support and serve and the discrimination they face in particular. Mm. Um, so your youth, mm-hmm. your, um, maybe your income is, uh, is, um, un- unreliable mm-hmm. or like hit and miss. Then you add on discrimination and landlord would be like, see ya, I don't want right. anything to do with you. So we uh, give young people a hard time for not kind of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. But yeah. uh, until you've actually tried to yeah. go alongside one of, the, one of the, our young people and actually yeah. get them housed, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. So those are some that kind of is a, a really basic and simple overview of the challenges. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I find that... Like, I, I don't find that surprising, uh, unfortunately, but it's very irritating to hear that, like, in one of the most wealthy nations mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. we are still, uh, and and some would say inclusive, mm-hmm. um, that there's, I'm sure there's lots of things that could be argued against that, but we're, we are, in a city like Toronto, which is super multicultural and diverse, and a city as uh, rich as Toronto, mm-hmm. um, we are struggling like with this um, with this issue, um, and not just obviously among youth. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have? Uh, how do you think, uh, uh, as a government, um, provincially, municipally, federally, but maybe more provincially, <laughs> how do you think um, we can help start to fix some of these issues? Mm-hmm. You don't have to give specifics, but a broad, right. broad answer. Um, so, uh, it's been really heartening to see some of the, um, 
uh, priority, the way families have been prioritized over the last couple of years in Ontario, it's been really great. So we don't think of uh, a really strong childcare system helping homeless youth, but it really does. Um, young, when you talk to young people who've been in and out of the care system, or they've experienced homelessness, and they and they talk, or or ones that have are really resilient, so they bounce back. When you actually pick that apart as to how did you, how are you, how are you strong? Like how, what helped you? Things like a really good um, early childhood provider. So things at home mm. may be really hard, but mm-hmm. having a strong school, a strong uh, um, childcare, like mm-hmm. things like that are actually important to keep families together. Mm-hmm. Um, poverty is stressful. Working like three jobs per adult in the household to try and make ends meet is stressful on anybody. And it it breaks families down. And then when you hit teenage years, um, teenagers are hormonally not meant to be easy, right? They're part of their job are to be like little assholes, Mm -hmm. creating independence in the world, right? So when, so you add like stressed out family, teenager really struggling, all it takes is like some small big thing, like I'm coming out to my family Mm -hmm. and the whole thing falls apart. Right. So so when I look at some of the ways that we've said, okay, we do want to make families stronger and creating, um, you know, increasing minimum wage and like things like this all really do help. Mm-hmm. The hard part is also we've, um, uh, so in Toronto, there's a strong commitment by the government to increase the number of shelters, right? Because we're wanting to, especially in the hard, cold winter, yeah, really is this, respond. Is this some of the stuff that kind of came around this winter where yeah. the, the, the city was really not meeting the demand of, yeah. uh, of temp, temp, even temporary shelters? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so, um, although, yes, we need to deal with the crisis, the problem is now all the energy is put into, or lots of energy is being put into uh opening more shelters. Which is like kind of like just putting a Band-Aid on it, but not allowing the wound to heal. Exactly. So right. we have young people who right now don't belong in our shelters. They are ready to, to take on housing. I mean, frankly, all virtually every young person in our shelter, if housed properly and supported properly, wouldn't be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's easier to do the quick uh, crisis response, let's build a shelter right. and we'll fix it, yeah. rather than the long, hard work of figuring out mm-hmm. how to encourage developers to be more inclusive, like in terms of the, um, the uh, affordable rental units that right. they're providing, uh, zoning, inclusionary zoning, like all of that is really hard because you have to go up against sort of very powerful forces mm-hmm. that have uh, been able to develop property in the city with um, without these restrictions to date and now all of a sudden you're changing the rules of the game and it's it's uh, it's it's hard but we have to look at that and prioritize that if we're gonna even begin to address uh, the issue the the number of young people um, being channeled into homelessness is not stopping mm. So right. <laughs> we have to we have to do we have to do things on the other hand to get to get young people housed so they can uh, have their have their family they're going to grow up and have families those families need to be strong and supported in order to stop this cycle right but then on the front the front end we need to put more energy into prevention yeah um, on that note the um, I find it interesting that you say there's a lot like a lot of your youth are ready to leave your shelters mm-hmm. um, if it uh, you don't have to have an answer for this but I it did make me think if you were a legislator what would you suggest 
like as a strategy to actually help these young people like take that next step like is it building uh, like government housing where like the government is like the landlord and they can accept like um recently homeless youth into something like that or what would you do uh, Sorry, so we know, like no, 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 it's okay. Um, it's, that's a hard question to answer because it isn't the, the whole point is we, we really like to be able to point to one thing and mm-hmm. that's hard. Mm-hmm. So what I talk about is the menu of options. So mm-hmm. we need to have a government be landlord mm-hmm. because we need, um, really strong leadership to right. take, take the land and develop it in a way. Um, but it can't be just targeted. It's got to be multi, um, uh, mixed mixed use, mixed income housing. It can't. We can't kind of ghettoize that we've been. We've learned really hard lessons in the past from building communities right. that are tra- that are specifically targeting low income populations. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that we've learned those lessons mm-hmm. and that we have uh, diverse options. So government as landlord. We need to have community providers as landlord. We need to have regular old uh, developers developing high rises that have. M- a certain amount of units that are um, designated designated for sort of like a fixed rent or low in- like low income low rental housing and it's mixed mm-hmm. the strongest communities in the world are mixed right um, just like it's very unhealthy to have very high income neighborhoods that are very gated mm-hmm. and all of those things the similar kind of thing mm-hmm. anytime you put a very homogenous group in one place it's actually really not what yeah. a healthy community looks like yeah 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 wow so it is a, it's a, it's a mix of options and i think that's the point um, right now landlords are not there's no incentive for landlords to create um, uh, low barrier low cost housing mm-hmm. and so that's not going to change um, unless we have really strong government leadership that's mm-hmm. saying developers need to be doing x y and z cities need to be doing x y and z right and so it's a bit of a power struggle uh, so I was speaking with a woman who's actually um, a bit of an expert in this area. She's from England. <clears throat> and her and I were speaking about how um, Canada has not been as... She's she's worked in Canada for the last several years. Canada is not as sophisticated with tracking the data um, over a lifetime. And um, England has... Uh, there's lots of things uh, that they maybe have not figured out, but one of the things they figured out is this: uh, the expense of young people leaving government care and all of the costs associated with when they leave care and the healthcare system and the prison system and the shelters and the housing system. And they decided it was cheaper Mm -hmm. um, to actually house young people exiting from care. So you don't even have to, you don't even have to try. We're just going to, um, uh, you're going to exit the care system. I'm going to put you right into foyer housing. And she said uh, the cost savings have been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of the basic income pilot here, I mean, A, that's that could be a model that we, we need to really learn from that. Mm-hmm. But also the basic income pilot um, that's been really exciting here in Ontario and trying to figure out what if we took... Every young person, we're bringing them into care. Government is essentially saying, um, your parents can't parent you. Government is going to take on responsibility for raising you as a child. But, oh, and then suddenly you turn 18 and you're out on your own, and good luck with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have a good life. What if we prioritized young people who were brought into government care and said, you know what? We brought you into care. We're going to be your parent for the rest of your life. 
for the rest of your life, we are going to take care of you with a basic minimum income. Uh, and if government did nothing else, I wonder if that actually would stem the tide again to kind of turn off that super highway uh, mm-hmm. to youth homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and what we're, uh, we were talking about, uh, generational Poverty, yes, or intergenerational, intergenerational poverty. Exactly. Yeah. So we it's it's we see the same um, the same families struggling with the same things over generations, and whether that's Indigenous or non-Indigenous communities, um, young people who grew up in care, um, unfortunately, often have their children go into care. Mm-hmm. Again, basic income mm-hmm. um, without that stress, just that alone. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder if we would notice um, a huge difference in the intergenerational effect. Mm-hmm. It's just like a very small teenage David against a giant developer Goliath. <laughs> There's nothing that you as an individual or a shelter itself can do to actually resolve that issue, except for taking care of you when they come in. It's it's hard. We are um, what we're trying to do is is talk about the solutions that it's it it won't. So twenty percent of the homeless population. So of all the people that are homeless, twenty percent of them are young people. Wow. If we want to end adult homelessness, mm-hmm. we need to start with families and youth, mm-hmm. right? So youth, where is the twenty percent that we are taking of all this housing money that's flowing? Where's the 20% for youth? The problem is youth are um, pretty high maintenance when it comes to housing. They can be really hard on housing. Um, And so it's less, there's less. Can you talk about that? What does Mm -hmm. that mean? So, um, so I've, I've had the great pleasure of doing this work for quite some time, and I've worked with adult housing providers and actually put youth in adult housing buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's uh, young people stay up later. They're lonely. Oh. They're lonely and want to have friends over more regularly. So if you are a fifty-year-old um, uh, homeless man who finally has a house and has somewhere to live, you are super happy to like be in bed at you know eight o'clock watching your show on TV and kind of nestling in for the night. Mm-hmm. If you're an eighteen-year-old who is uh, cut off from your family, mm-hmm. you maybe have been living rough, you finally got your own apartment, Um, you can be rather rambunctious, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're a night owl, you're like, you're not following Oh, like I think about what I was like when I was 18, like I used my parents' house to have parties all the time, like, and and even, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't like homeless or lonely, I had, I saw my friends every single day at school, but there's, I think when you're a teenager, especially there's that like constant grasping, you like, you really want to have your friends, friends close. Yeah. Yeah. And that's even, I would say that's even, um, exacerbated by if you don't have strong family Mm -hmm. connections, Mm -hmm. um, then, uh, developmentally, you were like all of that That's is then just ex- yeah. you know, exponentially more. So, yeah. um, adult housing providers are like, oh, mm, 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 youth? No, uh, we're good. We're good yeah. with our 40 to 50 year old men, or like, you know what I mean? So, right. so uh, even I find it frustrating that even um, amongst really good hearted people, it's, it is a bit hard to get in the game with, okay, where are the young people? Where are the young people gonna go? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're kind of like, like, um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. They're not taking enough responsibility. And at the same time, we don't want them here. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there's yes. there's this mix. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough place to be, just being a young person and being homeless. Right. So in light of all of this, what are you looking for in an election platform in the upcoming election? You're, you're a new Ontario resident. Yeah, yeah I am. I guess you're going to be voting. I am. Yay. This will be my first 
uh, first election in Ontario. Ooh, congratulations. I know, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> I truly am. Um, I'm looking for somebody who, and uh, I haven't seen anything so far, that really wants to look at our child welfare system, mm. how we're prioritizing supporting families and keeping young people with their families, especially in the era of like truth and reconciliation, and we're starting to understand the damage we do when we separate young people from uh, their families and their home communities and mm. the trauma and the intergenerational trauma of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to talk about because it's, again, it's not a quick fix, but mm-hmm. unless we're going to tackle the child welfare system, again, that super highway to homelessness will continue to exist. So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for somebody who's going to talk about housing and around um, mixed and affordable housing that is uh, where we are putting strong conditions around developer developers and permits around using our land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am looking for somebody who's going to prioritize... Um, um, holistic supports for young people struggling with mental health issues. So we'd like to medicalize mental health issues, like you need some drugs and you need some therapy. And here's your like here's the formula that's going to fix you. Right. And uh, if you talk to if you talk to young people, if you talk to uh, folks from um, indigenous cultures, mm-hmm. um, from non-indigenous but other places in the world, uh, healing is much more than that. Right. And uh, so all of those things together, um, I think, will help give us a chance to create stronger and healthy communities and families, which will address some of these issues. That's awesome. Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. All right, that was our interview with Jocelyn Helland. Kate, I gotta know, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Mm-hmm. Is poverty an election issue for you? Uh, no, I kind of hate poor people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, obviously poverty is a huge election issue for me, and it's also especially important because it ties into all the other things that we've been talking about. Yeah, it's like we've done an episode about childcare, well, not directly about childcare, but mm-hmm. about the NDP and the liberal platform, which mm-hmm. include childcare. We talked about education. Mm-hmm. We've talked about housing. Like These are all really important, nuanced issues that need a long-term approach, not a short-term fix. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm looking to the party that is offering the most holistic care package, Mm -hmm. something that will handle all these elements in a cohesive way, Mm -hmm. and that isn't just exploiting them Mm -hmm. by, for example, building a bunch of new shelters really quickly, which, yes, is important, but... But it doesn't fix the systemic problem. It doesn't fix the systemic root, which is going to continue to feed people Mm -hmm. into the... um, Into homelessness. Yeah. And so we need at a, to end at a growing cycle. rate if yeah. you don't fix it. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Tara? Um, same. Uh, big election issue for me. Um, I think it's very telling how progressive the liberal platform is, that mm-hmm. it, like, stands in not stark contrast at all to the NDP platform. Yeah, like, for sure. I find I have a really hard time, like, differentiating between these two platforms mm-hmm. and being like, this one is definitely better. Yeah. I think the... Um, for youth especially, which is where, like, you know, a lot of the homelessness is going to start. Uh, not all of it, but, like, a lot of homelessness will... Like, if you stop homelessness in youth, you will mm-hmm. stop it in adults. Yeah. Uh, I think their approach for mental health in youth is, like, very strong. Although, mm-hmm. I do think... I also... I love this Ministry of Mental Health that mm-hmm. the NDP are putting forth. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, undecided. I, yeah, I'm really undecided about this one. Uh, obviously not voting for Doug Ford, though. <laughs> I, I think... Uh, sorry, this, this whole uh, podcast is now... Uh, 
I'm going to rename this podcast How to Stop Doug Ford. Uh, how to not vote for Doug but Ford. But we are still going to evaluate his policies fairly. Yep. yep. Um, despite that name. Which I think um, we did. I, I think I made some very good Doug Ford concessions. No, tonight. you did. But we did Thank see you. that it's $1.9 billion for mental health over 10 years versus yeah. the Liberals' plan. Which and is, the cutting of the sex ed. And the cutting of the sex ed. Empirically speaking, that's fucked up. Yeah. So empirically, objectively, objectively, whoever speaking. you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, I think that's uh, all we got for this week. Um, let us know what you want to cover in the next uh, couple weeks. We've only got three weeks left before the Ontario provincial election. Holy Start shit! Start to uh, know or like understand what you're going to be doing on June seventh. Are you going to be here? If you're not, you may want to make some uh, arrangements to vote before that. Um, we are Undecided Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Undecided, excuse me, Undecided underscore pod. On Instagram, we are at Undecided Podcast. And we are here in my bathroom on May the 18th. And we'll see you next week on Undecided Podcast. Bye. Bye. Okay. Done.